as Nancy just beautifully read, um, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, um, it's, it's our passage for today. It's often called the Shema, which translated means hear, which is the first word in that passage. Um, and before I read it again, I, w- I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, so Moses is speaking um, to, the, to Israel in this moment. They've escaped Egypt. They're on their way to Canaan. They're on their way to the Promised Land. And it's a journey that's taken 40 years. That's a long road trip. And they're finally here. They're on the cusp of their destination. They've almost arrived. But it's been 40 years, and a lot has happened in the meantime. And some of, some of those that are listening to these words he's speaking have been born along the way. They know nothing of that escape from Egypt. They know nothing. Um, they didn't experience the Ten Commandments being presented to Moses. Um, but they've heard the stories. It's familiar. These words are familiar. And so with that in mind, I want you to hear these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage, we get not just the what, the love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, but we get the how. We get these, these ways that we can remember to love God with all that we are. And when researching this, this piece of scripture, I found this uh, Hasidic tale that seemed appropriate with all, given all that has happened this week. And so I want to read it to you. A disciple asked the rabbi, why does the Torah tell us to place these words upon our hearts? Why does it not tell us to place the holy words in our hearts? And the rabbi answers, it's because as we are, our hearts are closed. And we cannot place the holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts instead, and there they stay. Until one day the heart breaks and the words fall in. Family of faith, if if our hearts weren't already broken open by all that the past year has brought, I think the news of Uvalde on Tuesday probably did. It's in those moments that we ask, where was God? How could this happen? Why does it keep happening? We think of all of those families who just want to hug their precious little child again. And I think it's fitting that our passage today comes to the Israelites when they're in the wilderness, when they've been searching and traveling for so, so long, and they just want to get to the promised land. And here, Moses reminds them that God is with them, that through all that they encounter, through all the horrors of the world, they're not alone. 
that God accompanies us through the pain and grief that we experience. And when we cry out, we do so knowing that we're not doing it alone. The thing about this law, it's called the law. It's not like those that we have today, and it's not even like those that were common at the time. There's no punishment if one disobeys this command. There's no mention of being held accountable or who would even hold you accountable. There's no mention of who's going to keep you in line. The onus is on the individual. And so I think in this there is real freedom. That this, the Lord your God is your God is, it's not just a rule. It's, it's a direction. It's a, a reminder that we belong to one another. It's a reminder that everything that we do in this world should reflect that love of God should reflect that we all belong to the same creator. Pastor David Loos uh, wrote a few years ago in um, his blog, he wrote, some years ago a colleague shared with me a story that captures for me the law, including the one from today's reading. It reveals the parental heart of a God who wants nothing more than the health and happiness of God's children. He goes on to write, my friend Frank was about eight years old at the time, and when he started arguing with his sister, before long, the arguing turned into pushing and shoving. And soon enough, Frank had his younger sister pinned to the ground with his fist raised in the air. And at that moment, his mother came into the room and told him to stop. But Frank, as he described, reared up as only an eight-year-old can, and declared, with his fist still raised in the air, she's my sister, I can do what I want. And at this point, Frank's mom swooped across the room, towered over him, and said, she's my daughter. No, you can't. And I think that's such a beautiful image of this law that we're looking at today. God's gift protects us. And it calls us to care for all of God's children. All of God's children. We baptize babies before they are, their call is known. Before we know what great things they will do in this world. But we baptize them knowing that they belong to God. And we promise to raise them and care for them so that they know such a truth. And in that same vein, we're reminded that Jesus told us that we must be as children to enter the kingdom of God. That little Colin knows something about the kingdom of God that we don't, that we can't, that we've forgotten. We're reminded of the innocence how he and other children are, are unjaded by the ugliness and messiness of the world. They're trusting of us adults, sometimes more than we deserve. And they're able to still be amazed and excited and moved to joy by the little things that we so often overlook, the mundane. They see glimmers of God's beauty in this world that we often take for granted. I have a daughter that's about the same age as Colin. She just turned a year about a month ago. And one thing that she's started doing um, is 
she loves the act of sharing. If she's having fun with a toy, she'll hand it to me and she'll smile as I pretend to play with it and then I hand it back to her and we'll repeat that process over and over again. She'll try to feed me her Cheerios and she'll get excited when Brad and I repeat the silly noises she makes. She rejoices in seeing others finding joy in the things that she loves. She can't talk yet, she can't walk yet, and she is just as wiggly and curious as young Colin is. But in those moments, I am reminded how our actions can make it feel as though heaven is just a little bit closer to this world. There's something about loving something so much that we want others to experience it, that small children just seem to get. It just comes naturally. So much better than, than we seem to get it. In the Gospels, Jesus says, let the little children come to me and don't stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And when he says this, it's to disciples, adults, who, who are trying to tell these parents that are bringing the children to Jesus to stop doing it, to stop bringing your children to come receive the, this blessing. They think that it's being wasted on the children. They couldn't possibly understand. They think they're too young. And yet, it's in that instance that the disciples, those who have, have studied and followed and been with Jesus for every step of the way, they're the ones that get it wrong, that don't understand. It's the children and their parents that got it right. And so in baptism, we promise to love and teach and protect this child. And we're also reminded that we have a lot to learn from one another. We promise to pay attention to these children that we baptize, to tell them stories that help them to know who Jesus is. And we watch as they show us sparks of joy and tenderness that somehow seem to dim as we grow older the marks of faith that they seem to understand so much more naturally. The Shema, this understanding that the Lord is our God. I don't think it's just instruction. It's not just comfort. It's not just a promise, but it's a responsibility. Professor of Old Testament Catherine Schifferdecker writes, to love God as one would love a human sovereign entails action, not just emotion. To love is to be faithful and loyal in fulfilling the obligations of the covenant. And so family of faith, we are given important work. We're entrusted with important work. And we have benefited from others taking this mission seriously, to share the gospel in ways that we might understand telling us how they've seen and heard and experienced the good news of Jesus Christ and doing so in love. And we can't simply live as recipients of that. We have to pass it on. Jesus stepped into our brokenness and showed us that we are loved, we are chosen, we are forgiven, we are called, and that we too are capable of this important work the work of picking up the broken pieces of our world and working toward wholeness, toward a world that better reflects what we have heard, 
to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. All that we are. All of us. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Once again, Holy One, we cry out, How long, O Lord? We wonder, when will it be enough? We're weary and brokenhearted over the loss of more lives, children dying before they had the chance to live, hopes and dreams cut off and smashed to pieces by violence. We're tired of excuses. We're tired of cultivating a culture of violence. We're tired of unwillingness to act and are tired of those in power who work to prevent real change. Our hope and strength needs renewal to continue the fight for justice, the fight for safe places for our children and your people. We pray for the spirit, for sadness to be turned into compassion, for tiredness to become advocacy. Use us, O oh God, and work through us to mend brokenness and bring your realm to earth. We open our hearts in anger, sorrow, and hope for those who have been lost, brothers and sisters, neighbors and friends, your children who sought to learn and grow together. We pray for those who have been spared and the lives that have been changed forever. We pray that they would find comfort and strength in the hard days to come. We give thanks for first responders who ran towards gunfire rather than away from it, who dropped everything to save the wounded and comfort survivors. We pray for doctors and nurses and mental health providers who repair what has been broken, who try to bring healing and hope in the face of, an un of, of the unchecked principalities and power of violence. We ask for sustaining courage for those who are suffering and traumatized, O oh, Holy One, we cry out, how long, O oh Lord? When will it be enough? We pray you will forgive our tolerance for these cultures of violence. We ask for your spirit to renew our commitment to work towards the end of gun violence. In the wake of an event that should be impossible, we come to you and we ask for you to open our eyes to break our hearts, to turn our hands to the movements of your spirit that our anger and sorrow may unite in service to build a reign of peace. We pray that you would bring our brothers and sisters, strangers and neighbors into your presence. Today we rejoice with those who rejoice, those who have found love, those who have been healed from disease, those who look forward to exciting life events like marriage and birth and baptism, those who have meaningful work and happy families, those who have safe homes, those who worship in your freedom and the beauty of holiness. And we weep with those who weep today, those who are sick in their bodies, their minds, and their spirits, those who flee from their own lands and their homes seeking refuge, those who are suffering. Oh God, we ask that in the midst of great suffering, 
that we would offer gratitude that is in our hearts, gratitude from our lives, for our church community, for the freedom to worship, for food and shelter and friendship that sustains us each day. By your Holy Spirit, hold the church in unity. Keep it faithful to your word so that we might be one in Christ's faith and love and service now and forever. We pray all these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, Jesus prayed, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Living in the world, we gather the gifts that we have received and bring them forth to God, offering back what we have so that the world may know the love of Christ and become one.
grateful hearts, let us now together in one voice dedicate our gifts to God. Let us pray. Dear God, we offer you these gifts that they might build up the work of your kingdom. Make us living witnesses to the way of your righteous reign. For the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. go into this world remembering that the Lord God goes with you, your God goes with you, and calls you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.